Today's program has been brought to you by Clarkson Potter Publishers, the only dedicated lifestyle group within Random House. Potter invites readers to live well. We seek tastemakers, visionaries, and rising stars and partner them to craft books and products that define their brand while engaging, entertaining, and instructing their audience. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today we're coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to the show every Monday at noon on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes. Today, my guests are Heidi Johansson Stewart, Michael Shannon, and Scott Stewart, the founders of Balak Tea, an incredible artisan tea company that puts as much time into their exquisite packaging and experience surrounding their product as the beautiful tea itself. Now stocked throughout the world and offering over 50 unique tea blends, Balak has received accolades from everyone from Oprah, recently making it onto their coveted favorite things list for 2012, from the New York Times and Wallpaper Magazine to Bon Appetit. I am so thrilled to have this incredibly creative team here today. So thanks for being with me, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. (laughs) So I will never forget seeing your packaging at the gift fair. That was my first experience with you guys, was walking across the dining area of the gift fair and seeing a wall of yellow and silver tea tins. And I grabbed Amy and said, I don't know what that is, but it's going to be huge. Because I felt like you guys completely understood how important packaging was to the experience. And I think from the very tea tins itself to what's actually inside, you guys have really been incredibly genius about the entire vision of your company and the way it looks. How did that play into the founding? It seems like you guys really considered everything from the ground up. Oh, thanks so much. Um, well, I think when we first started the company, we were we started it because we wanted to do something that wasn't being done um, or wasn't we weren't finding what we wanted. And what we wanted was a really high level of tea, but we also wanted kind of a shopping experience. Um, and we wanted to create products that we could own as kind of gifts to ourselves, which is kind of how we see the company. Everything we create, we create sort of as a gift. We want our customers to take our products home and, and enjoy them as if they own them themselves. And we're not, even our like branding is very small. Our name is very small in the package because it should be yours when you get it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was the whole experience was important, not just the tea. And we didn't want to just be one faceted about it. Um, so that's basically how it started. So we just thought, what is the experience we want? What is the level of tea we want? What is the quality? Where are the holes um, in, in the world of tea? Mm-hmm. Um, because Heidi and I, I mean, a lot of people like to ask this question about how <laughs> we started. And Heidi and I had been working together at, um, at Martha Stewart for a long time. Um, Heidi was from uh, doing food editing and recipe development and food styling. And Scott comes from an architecture and interior design background and has another company and called Saw Inc. And those two together and then my skills as a product designer, it just seemed like we could put our efforts together and create that experience. And because Heidi and I were always buying tea for each other around the world, wherever we traveled and bringing back tea, we started to see that there were things that we wanted we weren't getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I can go into those or... <laughs> how did I mean? How did you guys, the three of you, decide on tea? From the outside, that seems like a very specific thing to hone in on as like your debut sort of product line. We really wanted to get into the experience. One of the most important things for us was how to reach out to the clients, 
how to say hello, how to really engage them. And it started to just become a conversation about how tea does that. So we got more and more interested in bringing the best teas into our shop experience um, because really what we're trying to do is something experiential is really expand people's understanding in some way and tea is how we've really chosen to do that so as we started to look at tea we started to find that a lot of the teas in the U.S. and around the world at this point are really being put together and blended by large corporations that then package them for a number of boutiques around around the world. So we weren't happy with that. So at one point, we actually stepped away from the tea experience, um, spent a couple days kind of off focus completely, and then came back and decided to own the whole thing as craftsmen, mm-hmm. that we would do all of our own importing, all of our own blending, all of our own packaging. So we went from having a, you know, a, just touching the surface of the water to really diving in um, very quickly, almost because there was this thing that had to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we were really motivated at that point to make a difference. I mean, Scott literally looked at us one day and was like, well, we can do this better. <laughs> and, I was, and I think Heidi and I were like, oh, maybe we can, you know, and then that's how it started to, you know, yeah. that's how it started to develop. It was like, oh, yeah, right. You know, that's that's how you create something. You, you look for that place. Let's create the product that we want you to want. own. And the experience. And the experience as well. Exactly. You know, when you, when you see block on the shelf, you know, we wanted a product that caught your eye immediately. That you know that caught your eye, that you you know you felt you know you, that you wanted to touch, that you would covet, but also so then it had to feel good in the hand, and then when you open the product, that has to be a really beautiful experience as well. Then also the tea itself, the finest quality tea that we can find, um, we wanted it to be organic, so it's better for you and for the environment as well. So it really needed to be a complete immersive experience yeah well i think that's definitely what you guys are putting out there i was reading around and i read this wonderful review from hollister hovey who's another blogger who wrote about it who described the the yellow of the packaging and said that the yellow seemed like a classic or was as classic as like an hermes orange that was a nice thing to say but it's true i mean that i that was that was the feeling i had when i saw those tins was like they've nailed it from the get-go and it's very few businesses that kind of think that process through and that's got to be partially because of your background in editorial, your background in design. I mean, all of that sort of stuff comes together. There's something really interesting that happened when we were starting to pull together the pieces of the company. We, We were under a very tight timeline. We had really pushed ourselves to open a shop in London, and we had very little time to do that. So, um, for a number of reasons, but we, so we had a lot of pressure to, to birth the company. Um, we went over and started putting together a shop in this space that we had rented in London. That was extraordinary. Just the most beautiful little shop. That's and, a, I want to hear more about how did you guys end up starting in the UK? Cause you were all here in New York. Yes. Correct. Yes. And how did you end up opening the first shop in London and not New York and Soho, one of the expected. We were, we were looking for a space here in Brooklyn to actually open up the factory, and Scott was actually in London 
um, doing found his space. I know. <laughs> it was so crazy. I mean, I was like running around the streets and he was calling me from London. He's like, you know, he was doing a project with Saw, his company. Mm-hmm. They were doing the interiors for um, an anthropology, an anthropology store, oh, okay. which is their big flagship on King's Road. And, and there was this huge space and he was there for a long time. And he called up and he's like, there's this gorgeous space on King's Road and we can have a pop up shop and we can have it. And I think my response was, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> because Heidi and I were still like working on the blends and like yeah. still tasting. I mean, you know, it takes like we want to have one dragon well we have to taste like 30 dragon well teas to get the right one so we were like still going through that process and kind of honing in on it Mm -hmm. and scott because he's a cowboy decided that we were just going to go to london (laughs) and and then and then i have to say i I was really resistant because i was so afraid of it but that's one of the things that we've learned in this process and it was part of the yellow as well and all that is that we have to work intuitively and sometimes you can't question yourself And um, which is why, which is it's. So great. I mean, it is exactly. <laughs> and we we went into London, and there was nothing in the space. Nothing. I mean, it's, it was part of the old Antiquarius building mm-hmm. in Chelsea. Gorgeous. There was nothing, but there was nothing in the space. It was just white, nothing, and quite literally, in a week, they we just did it. Put together this beautiful, wow. beautiful jewel box of a shop. And it, yeah, we we got a yes that we could. Anthropology had decided that mm-hmm. they were going to allow us to use the space. Yes, and um, we had thirteen days to get it done. Oh my god! Yeah, from the yes. So that's when we. I mean, we had something. We had to ship the tea. We had. Oh we god. had Over a to, ton of tea and all know, the flowers exactly. and the herbs. Everything. And- <laughs> Every last thing. Oh my god! And then sourcing in London. You know, finding salvage, yeah. etc. So it was a sculpture. I mean, it was. The, and, the project but, itself yes. was, was yeah. a sculpture. We, we do work very intuitively. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's very important yeah. to say. That it's not, you know, we're not sitting around a table, you know, planning this out more or less. It's, yeah. it's a very intuitive, creative process for us. So we kind of go from the gut. And it's how many of our decisions are mm-hmm. made. So how was the reception in the UK? I mean, British tea culture is so entrenched and you guys are bringing a very unique American perspective to that. How did that go over? Um, (laughs) I think it went over extremely well. I mean, they embraced us from the first moment. Um, We had won Best High Tea um, that year in in Wallpaper Magazine. And that was basically our, you know, after being open for a a month, maybe a month and a half. I mean, we really set out to do mm-hmm. the finest tea experience and really the, provide the finest teas. And our understanding or our thought process was that would be enough. If mm-hmm. we could yeah. be the best, that would be enough. So, you know, we just knew that we had to do everything possible to make it yeah. really extraordinary. Yeah. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't um, deviate from that. Yeah. And, you know, having a focus on the tea really centers you. And I, you know. I'm sorry. Oh, so I was just going to ask, what are, do you think are like the primary differences between sort of a British tea experience and an American one? Or are there That's, many differences? It's really funny because I was just thinking, we, we've talked about this before. When we got to London, we were, um, we felt exotic, you know, <laughs> because, you know, there's different types of tea, there's different styles of tea around the world. And in England, it's really focused more on black teas, mm. strong black teas, maybe a little Russian caravan, some of those classic things. But it tea is, sandwiches. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a it's black a, tea drinking it's a black culture. Tea. Yeah, it is. And and then like you know, you get to France and you have you know tea companies that are very flowery and this kind of thing, which we also love. And then you know there are companies that focus on um, 
on sort of a Chinese experience、mm-hmm. or an Asian experience、mm-hmm. or a health experience. And like we realized that we were so American, like we were even just so New York,、um, even to the point where I think Heidi would come up with a last minute blend when we were over there. She's like, "We need a blend that's you know, that's going to be more English style, because、mm. a lot of our blends are inspired by the Pacific Northwest and the frontier and, and these kinds of things." And and so I think that we brought something kind of exotic, but we also were focused on something that the English have known in the past. But have been losing、um, in the new coffee culture, which is the same experience we're having in Japan right now. Believe it or not, like that shocked us. We've been in Japan about a month this this year,、mm-hmm. twice, setting up some block like counters,、mm-hmm. and you know, tea is. You'd think, oh, there's no reason to have us over there, but in fact, we're exotic there. And so there's been a lot. There's been a, a, a the, lack of quality tea it, in the market for a while.、Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's something that we.、Um, There's something that Belloc speaks that's more about poetics than about American American culture or、mm-hmm. British culture, any any sort of culture, sort of in a light-handed, off-the-cuff way. We、mm-hmm. we put a tea in front of this woman that walked in one of the after we had been open for maybe a week or so, and she said, "Oh my God, it takes me back to my childhood. I'm in the dark forest. The you know the moss is around、mm-hmm. me on the earth." It's just full of moisture. I can smell all of those. She was like in her seventies. Evergreens. <laughs> yeah, we she was an、crying. older Irish woman. <laughs> and, yeah. And you know that was the that's the sort of experience that inspired the tea. Different forest, different place, but that language of poetics,、yeah. that experience of being in the woods, or in the that deep dark forest, and and then she came back right away and said, "Can I smell the sea?" Oh and, wow! I know. Really and we just、moment. handed、yeah. we just handed her, you know, one of our huge caddies that we had. It was the geokuro. Yeah, which、it's、is kind、oceanic. of oceanic. Yeah, yeah, and like kind of almost a little bit of seaweed in、mm-hmm. there in a way, even though it's grassy、yeah. too. And you know, I love the romance between behind all of those blends. I've been wanting to know more about like your version of those experiences. What are your most memorable tea experiences prior to founding the company? What were some things、oh. that really kind of made you tea lovers? I feel like tea people are. It's, it's a very unique type of person that I think really gets into well, tea that intensely. One thing I would mention, though, before you say that, is I think that we are very much tea people, but we're also very much about like lifestyle、mm-hmm. as well. And、Absolutely. I think that there's in the tea world, there's this kind of like, there's this whole style of person that just loves tea only, and you know, <laughs> won't drink coffee, won't do this, whatever. And we're not really those people. We really want to to open the experience up to everybody.、Mm-hmm. It's a place of discovery. And that's why in the shop we're about education. It's one of the most important things we want to take. We take all. We try to take all the snobbery out of tea. It's like if you come in and you don't know anything about tea, then you've come to the right place because we'll tell you about tea if you're interested. If you're not, that's then good. That's the opposite of most artisanal coffee places. Yeah. <laughs> <Right> . Yeah. We don't. We want it to be accessible. It's a lifestyle kind of thing.、Mm-hmm. I hate to say the word product, but it is. It's like tea is like it's breakfast with your family. It's. Afternoon tea, you know, with friends that stop by. It's sitting on the co- on the couch with a book. It's you know throwing a party. It's making tea cocktails, which we do all the time. It's cooking with tea, which we do all the time. And it is such a diverse type of thing、mm-hmm. in terms of agriculture and that the process that it's done in, the areas that it's that it's grown in. And we only work with high elevation single estates. 
um, those teas are exquisite. They're grown very slowly, but a lot of flavor in them. And then when we do the blends, we only work with natural ingredients. So like if you're doing like, if you go to the supermarket and you buy an Earl Grey tea, it's going to have, uh, generally, almost all the time, it's going to have a synthetic bergamot in it. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and when you have real bergamot, it's like when you have real rose. Mm-hmm. We use real rose. When you have real rose or real bergamot or real anything, it's more nuanced, it's more layered, it's more delicious. And our idea in the company when we started was to not only do something of that natural state, but also to, to honor the tea leaves. Because a lot of blend companies, or most blend companies, honestly, will use a really low-grade tea as a mm-hmm. vehicle for flavorings. Ah, okay. And so our idea is to get the balance. Like, if you come into the shop and you smell some of the teas, you get to understand that you'll smell the tea and you'll taste it, but you'll also get those other layers that are in it. And if it's something as simple as an Earl Grey, which is really the only blend we didn't create, um, it's still going to taste different. Mm-hmm. It's still going to taste layered and nuanced. I mean, we have to even test the bergamot to make sure that it's the right balance of, like, lemony, orange, or, you know that kind of thing so I think I what got about the subject you? sorry Scott, <laughs> what, are, what are your we have to take a quick break but I want to hear your your early tea experiences real quick oh gosh <laughs> do you have any? for me it was all it was really the way that um, I remember growing up and I would be at a friend's house that kind of thing and whenever um, you know one of my friend's mothers wanted to pick my brain she'd be like can you come in and sit down and, you know, here's a <laughs> cup of tea and let's just spend a little time together. But I actually found it as being really um, lovely, you know, like one of those slow mm-hmm. moments where I really Ritual. get to, to yeah, spend actually. time with someone, really connect with someone. And and I think that that's one of the things that I still love most about tea is how it brings you and the person that you're spending time with a little closer together. And I think there's a slightly slower speed to yeah. to tea than to coffee mm-hmm. and i think that the caffeine effect is a little bit subtler in tea and i think that that allows you or it sort of presents itself sort of guides you into this really um relaxed you know sharing kind of spirit and that i love that about it and yeah. always have what about you heidi mm, there's so many uh, my family <laughs> big tea drinkers but i guess while i'm sitting here trying to think of like the most interesting or exotic experience I've ever had but somehow I can't Um, (laughs) and but I am thinking about my grandmother's table actually and thinking about how we she think about her table a lot we do Mm -hmm. think about her table a lot but (laughs) I I, for some reason just thinking about her you know she always made an amazing pot of tea and and Mm. just I'm just sort of picturing her hands moving across the table and you know always gorgeous pastries and so I think um I don't know. I, that's the only thing I can think of right now, yeah, despite having traveled all over <laughs> and many, many cups of tea and wonderful experiences. For some reason, that's, that's just coming to mind. That's good. Well, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about old memories and new memories next after the break. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Today's featured book is American Beauty by Tom Felicia. 
Star designer Tom Felicio wasn't looking for another escape from his busy city life, but when visiting beautiful Skaneateles Lake in New York where he had vacationed as a child, he fell madly in love with a fixer-upper. Two years and one careful, respectful, and impassioned renovation later, it has become the house of his dreams, one that profoundly speaks to his happy memories of lazy days spent on the lake or in the small town as a child. Part memoir, part decorating book, American Beauty is the story of this house, and an inspirational resource that imparts Tom's extensive wisdom on creating rooms that feel modern, yet meaningful and classic. American Beauty is $45 and available wherever books are sold. Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm here with Heidi Johansson-Stewart, Michael Shannon, and Scott Stewart, the founders of Balak Tea. We've been talking about your original experiences with tea that made you fall in love with that experience and the way you've tried to modernize that and bring that to life with your new company. I'm dying to know about the actual process of the teas because you guys have some incredibly exotic blends that are really unique that really aren't out there in the market. How do you start when you're researching a blend? for people who are totally unfamiliar with tea, like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, we, how do we start? We, it, it's, it's a fairly organic. Like in organic. a million different ways. Like in a million yeah. different ways, <laughs> yeah. exactly, because. Um, so sometimes, sometimes it's, are you starting sometimes with, it's with the tea or, itself. Yeah. The like tea itself the will, will tea. say what it wants to be. It, it okay. does. Um, Kikuya is a good example. Kikuya is a good example, sure. Um, Kikuya is a blend of sencha and rose and it, it just wanted to be together it, yeah. it literally it's they the were just blend, they were calling each other doesn't need to be more complicated no it's, it's very it is, simple but they <laughs> they the sencha and the rose have a wonderful affinity and it was very simple but they just sort of called to each other and mm-hmm. i was listening so they came together um other other blends are um they they are basically the distillation of of uh, you know, fantasies or just feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to convey certain feelings. Uh, we have a, a tea it's called the White Wolf, and I wanted a winter blend mm. that wasn't just simply the Christmas blend because we have that too. Yeah, but I wanted something that was uh, more wintry, and I kept imagining um, a winterscape in my mind, and I saw a, a horizon line, and it was silvery and. And it was uh, maybe almost like Wyoming or mm-hmm. somewhere. Who knows? Um, and it was winter. And I, I kept thinking. And I just kept in my mind going through this this landscape. And I kept thinking that, you know, thinking about horses and thinking about, you know, that cold sound of the snapping of the twigs under mm-hmm. the, the hooves. And, and, and that cool wind the that's cool in the mint wind, that comes through the tea. The, the smell of the horse, the, the creak of the saddle, the leather when it's cold. Anyway, so I, for some reason, that just kept coming into my mind, and I, it felt so, it, it felt so expansive to me, how the the sky opens up in that scenario, and I, I just wanted to capture that feeling, mm-hmm. in, in a cup, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because we need it. You know, yeah. like living in the city, sometimes yeah. you need I guess those moments. So, so some, again, so that's more complicated, and, and that I love is how more visual that process was Whoa. for you. I feel like if you'd ask a lot of food people how something started, it's not starting with that. I just saw like entire magazine spread in my yeah. head as you're describing <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, no, but that's, I, it's interesting because that's how it, it, it happens mm-hmm. to be sometimes. It's, it's often a feeling and trying to get to that. It, it's, yeah. you know, someone might paint, someone might photograph, 
paragraph, but I wanted to articulate it through, through uh, flavor, through scent. Um, and so I used, you know, using botanicals. Mm-hmm. It's not very, it's, it's somewhat similar to, say, creating a perfume, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a wine, even. But, it's I mean, so our nice. customers can take that home and have a different experience if they do, sure. of course. I mean, we're not. But I think, I mean, the other thing about that is that if you know the ingredients in that tea, the, the paimutan, which is a wild peony tea, which mm-hmm. is not from the peony flower, it's a type of white tea from a tea plant, has already on its own these kind of notes of hay and and leather and leather and equine you know it's it's so there's a little bit of that inspiration spring from it but when she created that blend i was in london and she sent me the recipe and i was making it for the shop and i had to kind of you know increase the recipe and i kept thinking about the description and thinking close my eyes drink with tea okay am i having this because how do you know very similar in that kind of way we think in those same kinds of ways all three of us which is why Mm -hmm. i think the company we work well together we have that romance and that and and what we do and so i was like i have to get there i have to get to that place which is a great place to be able to get to when you're sitting in yeah. London, you know, <laughs> thinking about home. Or, or a very <laughs> the, the industrial green point. <laughs> yeah, but trying to imagine the frontier, like, is this giving me that feeling? Yeah. You know? Mm. It's so fun. I, I want to talk about your move to Brooklyn. And ironically, we, we're in Bushwick now, but we are actually neighbors in our yeah. offices. You guys are right around the we corner. From us to Greenpoint. <laughs> and um, how did you guys settle on coming back into Greenpoint? And what's that experience been like? Because your shop is really like a gem in the middle of Aww. a very industrial neighborhood. And when you walk in, you've curated that experience so exquisitely. And we're doing a tour on Design Sponge, and people will be able to see that better but i'd love to hear about how you chose greenpoint and how you really brought that space to life i think um we had to come back because the london shop was a pop-up we didn't mm-hmm. have the space forever unfortunately and we still think about maybe opening up but we i don't know it's just we're so <laughs> busy now we came back knowing that we were going to have to actually start wholesaling our tea which we hadn't been doing before mm-hmm. and we were looking for a space that we, we could accommodate all the things we do which is the warehousing and and mainly the 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 blending which is all hand done so it takes a long time and it takes a lot of space but the front space, which is what you know, which is now considered the shop, was really intended to be a showroom. But, you know, it, it, people started coming and friends started coming and they started saying you should open it up. And then we thought, OK, so we only really open up on Friday, Saturdays and Sundays because it was never intended to be a store. And it really mm-hmm. isn't an industrial area, as you know. But I think we've really grown to love the fact that it is hidden away. I mean, we don't want to, like, you know be that mysterious yeah. but it's people seem to love the fact that they yeah. stumble upon it a little bit clandestine it. Well, a little would, bit clandestine you would never expect to find something that beautifully decorated Aww. in that corner of the world I, mean, I love my neighborhood I live and I work there but that's just not something you expect to see on West Street it's really not <laughs> yeah when, but, um, when we started to work on the space in Greenpoint we were really conscious of not repeating ourselves you know at that moment we were talking to someone about opening a boutique a little belloc um in Mexico City, and that really oh, wow. fascinated us. Um, we've since gone on to open a couple counters in Japan, but we uh, the that sort of energy of coming off of this huge new concept of you know doing something in Mexico and how we'd evolve um, really made us want to not be redundant in Greenpoint, mm-hmm. but really do something, kind of rethink it, do it again from scratch, reinvent it. And that was that's the sort of thing that we enjoy so much about yeah. being, you know, part of Belloc mm-hmm. is that we, since we are lucky enough to be in charge, we actually decide to reinvent it all the time. Yeah. So it we don't we say what what does Belloc you know uh, want to do or what's it what does it deserve 
yeah. and it's sort of bigger than the three of us. It's actually kind it of a, a mission for all of us. Well, I like that you're kind of embracing the idea that it could be different things. That's something I talk about oh, here on yeah. the show a lot is how brands kind of expand and change over time. And I read in one of your interviews that someone had asked you, like, what does Balak mean to you? And you said, it's changing. Like, it's kind of always it something evolves. different. We're moving with it right. and seeing what it means to us. And I love that even as a newer company, you're still kind of being inspired by whether it's a place or a new blend or something that yeah. you're seeing or imagining from the past. You're kind of just running with it in different locations. Or imagining from the future. We were talking about the yeah. other day about like that sometimes you know you you want to imagine what some place is like that you've never been to, mm -hmm. and that's the feeling that you have around that is actually could be even better than the experience you have when you go there. Yeah, and that also is really valid, and it's a great starting place for things, and that's you know part yeah. of that. And you know, in some ways, this is like our um, vehicle. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, this is this company that whatever we design it to be is going to take us somewhere, and you can kind of say, where do you want to go? Yeah, And, you know, it's really when you kind of, you know, stand back from it being like a mm -hmm. successful tea company, where do you want it to go kind of makes you um, explore, you know, yeah. mentally explore. Yeah. And it, that's the kind of thing that keeps and us going materials. every day. Exploring materials like now we're working in glass and mm -hmm. ceramics and going down that direction. And I just have a giant box of church yeah. candles that showed up for the shop. <laughs> you know, like you just never know, you know, like if we don't allow ourselves to have those experiences, then Bullock will get probably boring to us because we'll know it too well and we exactly. want to keep the mystery yeah. in it for us as well Well, that leads perfectly into my next question i want to know what's sort of next for you guys what are your big dream projects i love that you've expanded into products now that sort of accompany the tea experience what are sort of your dream pie in the sky things you'd like to do with the lock well we have we have a, a whole host of like behind the scenes failures <laughs> you know, it, tell me one I want to know one one that didn't work out well some of them we can't talk about because that might not be failures later we oh. have, yeah. really, that's right we have we're really become future vendors well one of the things it's a, a friend of mine that we're talking about the other day is that you know we in some ways you paint yourself into a corner um, because you your standards get really high and yes. and you know we're we're all kind of at a place in our our careers so to speak where we know what we want and we mm -hmm. really just and we're also looking around us at the marketplace and seeing how everything has become so mediocre yes. and I mean coming from that background I know all the factories I know all those places yeah. and all those things are made so when you separate yourself from that the challenges are much much greater and you know Balak can't do like a low level product mm -hmm. you know we just can't so there's there are those failures in there and then those things get shelved for a little while until the right person comes along that we can work with to make that happen so um but also, we really did make a, a, a very conscious decision to focus on the tea in the beginning because that is what we do. That mm -hmm. is the vehicle of it. Even if my background is more in product and Scott is more in interiors, um, it is important. So now we're all putting our heads together and we're coming up with, say, the ceramics and the glass and the tableware that, again, the ones that we want because we're not really finding it on the market. So it's like, well, you know, that's what we talk. We start there. What do we want? You know, what, what do we want on our table at home? Well, I think that's what's great is when you have a really clear vision of what you want for something, whether and you're starting with tea, it eventually expands into like, well, what do I want to serve this tea in? What's the table that I want to yeah. have this tea on? It's really yeah. hard to expand when you have a very clear vision. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited to see what you guys come up with next. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really interesting for us, too, because when we go out and we walk you know, through the city, visit other cities, we don't see what we want. Mm. So it's, you know, yeah. in that way, you, you're not seeing the solutions mm -hmm. that you want, which keeps yeah. you kind of redesigning in your head about what that solution is keeps it interesting yeah, yeah. we also don't want the, those products that we do to be like 10 million dollars you know what <laughs> i mean like we're trying to make things accessible mm -hmm. it's really important to us like in the very beginning of the company i think like in the, one of the first things we said was that tea was a tea was an affordable luxury mm -hmm. and we we'd like 
all of the products in our company to fall into that that category. I think that's well. That's a perfect note to end on. The last thing I want to ask each three of you before we go: or what are your favorite affordable luxuries slash affordable like everyday splurges in New York? So for people coming oh into goodness. town, visiting for the holidays, <laughs> what are your favorite things to do? Whether it's like a really great shave for a man or a really beautiful florist shop, what are the things that you would tell somebody to do that are beautiful everyday luxury oh that's always a hard question that's like the, <laughs> your six things you can't live without question <laughs> um time. time time is is the like yeah that <laughs> and like going to the met <laughs> that's for me is like the biggest luxury in the world like just taking a moment to go to the met that's good. all right we've got the met what about you scott um one of my favorite things to do is to uh, go through uh, like Ted Muling store mm. or Devira and oh, walk well. through. There's and- a luxury. <laughs> yeah. I can't talk about that. That's why. <laughs> Stop stealing Maybe- my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not buy anything, you know, because you know they're very, um, ex- you know, yeah. hard yeah, to lovely. afford. And oh, Lord. Uh, but at the same time, the level that that those um, two shops operate, and they're right next to each other, or they used to be, um, it is inspiring. You know, they're executing it at the top. And that seeing that in the modern environment, it really informs so inspiring us, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that those are the people that we kind of look up to and are inspired by. That's great. What about you, Heidi? Well, since Scott stole mine, <laughs> <laughs> she taught me those places. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes it's even something as simple as like a really nice you know, well-crafted bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's always Do you have a favorite nice. shop? I do actually have a favorite shop. It's called Thirst Bar. It's oh. a wine shop in um, uh, Clinton Hill, I guess. Oh, great. Yeah, or Fort Green, that area. Fort Green, yeah. Anyway, nice, it's just nice really area for lovely. a walk. You can go out and try yeah. to find it. <laughs> so that's kind of nice, you know, to, to end a busy day with like a really delicious bottle of wine. Okay. Yeah. Or a really, gl- and really nice cup of tea. <laughs> thank you so much for being here okay, you guys thank you for all of you listening you can visit belloc tea at belloc.com and you can also check them out and find stores everywhere thanks so much for being here michael scott and heidi thank, thank you. you thank you thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.